Welcome back, folks, to the Mail Right Show. This is episode 222. We've got a great special guest. I think it's going to be a fascinating conversation. And also, I've got my great co-host, Robert, with me. Our guest is Carly McGrown. Um, We're going to be discussing... Kaylee McMahon. Kaylee McMahon. Thank you very much. McMahon. It's okay, John. I always butcher my guests' surnames. It's nothing personal, Kaylee. Um, I'm sure we can have a fascinating discussion. Um, we really had a pretty interesting pre-discussion. So, Kaylee, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Sure. Uh, my name is Kaylee McMahon. I live in Dallas, Texas. I came from a background of doing a little bit of everything, IT, babysitting, um, dental sales and equipment and building practices and got into real estate basically by accident. And now I'm a real estate investor and uh, invest her or helping females to be able to change their mindset and be able to use like I did real estate as a vehicle to have a healthy, uh, thriving life is really uh, where I'm at right now. And that's what I'm pursuing every day. That's great. And I've got my great co-host, Robert. Robert, would you like to introduce yourself to the new listeners and viewers? Yep. My name is Robert Newman. I'm an inbound marketing specialist that has been specializing in real, residential real estate, SEO, and other forms of inbound marketing for, God damn, 12, 13 years now. Yeah, time goes fine. Yeah. So, Kaylee, I thought I would start off with this question. You know, we have a lot of agent, female agents that listen to this podcast, luckily more every month. So um, I thought your perspective, you know, a lot of them are, are looking to invest in property, i.e. themselves or for clients. So you you were acting as a normal agent and you got into investment. Got any insights how a female agent for either a client or for themselves can do, take those first steps into the world of property investment? Um, yeah. So I used to think that you had to start small and go big. And everybody really, I think, starts thinking that at some point in time. So, you know, you'll think, okay, like me, I had to get a license And then once I had a license, then I could sell some properties and then I could have some exposure to dilapidated properties, purchase one with some commissions that I made, and then either house hack, meaning live in it, live in a portion of the duplex, for example, and have them pay the mortgage. Or, you know, I can flip, you know, a single family, one small house and turn it into a long-term hold or uh, when you're doing minor rehab or a major rehab and then, you know, flipping it and selling it. And then my, I already knew though at that point in time that what I really wanted to do was, was go large scale. I knew that if I was going to get into, say, flipping a house, that I was going to want to do 10 a month, 20 a month, 30 a month, whatever it was. And so what ended up happening is I learned the concept of multifamily investing. And so that's essentially what I wanted to do, but just more economies of scale. And it's in one, like you have 50 houses under one roof or whatever, for example. So, you know, one plumbing system, one roof, one foundation sometimes and, and et cetera. So um, I already knew where I wanted to be. And, and now looking back, there's a lot of uh, mindset that was there that I didn't realize that I probably could have done this from the jump, from day one. But um, a lot of people do start off as an agent to become an investor. Now, one thing to keep in mind there versus getting an education and investing by just literally just go find some other investors that are doing well, doing a lot of whatever it is you want to do and partner with them. And basically you have some value sets that you can help them with, like your boots on the ground, 
you help, you know, um, be the general contractor on a job site. They'll teach you how to do it, but then let you actually do the work. And so you earn your stripes, if you will, and earn your your split of the the sale commission or not commission, but the proceeds of the sale or what whatnot. Instead of having to, you know, try real estate and then uh, being a, being a residential agent and then having a license, because the reason why in every state is different, everything is totally different. But is whenever you have a license, it, first of all, it's expensive. Second of all, you are a fiduciary, so you ca- you carry a lot of responsibility when it comes to material deficits. When there's like something that you you make you if you hear anything, you have the uh, um, duty to tell your clients. You you have to uh, be prudent. You have to be honest. You you owe your clients certain duties, and that's when you're representing somebody. So. Um, if you are going in on a deal not representing somebody, don't necessarily need to do any of that stuff. It's you buying the house or you and your partner or whatever and whatever risks associated. It's your job as business owners to do your due diligence on the property and then essentially take your own risk at whatever you want to do. So um, then though on the back end, say if you're going to sell a house and that does go to another consumer at the end there, you know, as, as a good person and as a good business owner, it is it is your job to like tell them all the material facts and disclose every everything 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 so that's one good thing about a real estate agent education is you know everything is all about legal stuff i mean they don't even teach you in school like how to you know do a comp on a house they don't even teach you like what different industries are out there or how to wrap notes or, or anything. They don't teach you anything about investing or, or really even how to run a comparative market analysis on a house. They don't teach you anything. So it, it's it's liability, liability and legal stuff. So um, at least it teaches you how to, as a um, person, individual, how to make sure that you're always disclosing everything. Like if there, the house was a burnout before, if there was a death, if there was like whatnot, you really do just to do good business. You need to do those things. You need to tell your end buyer what happened. Um, though it doesn't fall back on you, you just, just tell them, you know? So, um, just, it, it's, it's a lot of liability and, and expense and time to continue doing your continuing education and whatnot to have a license and be an investor at the same time. However, uh, right now I have my brokerage license currently. And the reason why I keep it is because I don't, I don't need it at all for what I do, but I have a brokerage running kind of on the side and there's people that are agents and they do their thing. So that helps uh, have a business that's got cash flow running through it. So I can leverage that to make uh, loans for other things that I need or uh, loans for other, you know, a uh, business line of credit or whatever. So it's helpful for those things. Um, but also on the buyer side, uh, if so for my commercial transactions, there's not a buyer's agent when we go into these deals. There's a seller's agent. They have the property, they have the seller, and then we have our attorneys write all the documents up. We don't need a buyer's agent. So we just go buy it. But um, what I can do is because I have a license, I can legally add in, um, and there's a strategy I use to it. My friends do this, but you can I can legally add in like a point or whatever to the buyer side. You know, it'll come off what we're paying or add to what we're paying or whatever. But you just build it into the deal, and then we're able to essentially have a chunk of cash that comes from closing these deals that is getting paid out on the Alta statement, not the HUD statement. So your closing statement. The Alta statement's what it's called, and there's a line item that says paying whatever brokerage. So that goes into our trust account or our brokerage account, and then I use that for marketing, advertising, leads, people, all this stuff to run that business instead of paying it out of my own pocket. So um, kind of helping each other run each other, if, if you will. So there's there's a lot there, I guess, to answer. <laughs> yeah. uh, over to you, Robert. Uh, earlier in the in in the 
your comments. You uh, you mentioned you kind of casually mentioned that you'd go out if if you if you were doing it all over again today, you'd start at a at a much higher, more elevated investment mindset. Is the way you were describing it? Is the way I understood it uh, as you were describing it. But then you also said, "Hey, I would just go out and find myself." some partners right out of the, right out, out the jump. So uh, let's just say that I am a real estate investor and I have no idea how to find real estate investment partners. How would I do that? Um, ask around. I mean, um, there are, and you have to be very obviously careful with your time because there's a lot of, let's see, I don't know what the percentage is, but there's a large percentage of people when you go to uh, your local RIA so Real Estate Investment Association, that's a good place to start. It's usually a big group of people that do a random bunch of different investment vehicles. But um, there was one here in Dallas called Propelio, which is a free investor education network. And so that was kind of my exposure. But it, if you're in a room of people, you need to go up to that person and ask them, okay, what do you do? Okay, cool. How much of that have you done in the last 30 days? Like, for example, I'm a wholesaler. I'm an ass- I do assignments. I whatever it is that you do, I buy notes um, as an investor. And then because I, would, I don't know what percentage, it's a large percentage are just like, just full of crap, you know? So you want to find the people that are not. So finding the ones that are not, again, it's easy if you kind of, not easy, but it's easier if you just kind of ask around like, hey, who in this room has done a high volume of X, you know, and then go, go introduce yourself to that person and uh, do your due diligence on that person and kind of figure out, literally how much have they done and for me a comfort level is can we go look at something that's in progress can we go you know can you show me what you've closed and sold uh what what agents do you work with to to list it and, and things like that and they're they'll have information to share with you if, if they're like fuddling over their words and they can't talk about what they've done like there's there's your sign but really asking around for track record and especially people that have done business with them. Um, so if someone goes, okay, Bob and, and Jane and Terry do a high volume of flips or whatever. And then you go ask out there in the you know universe of investor people, like who all has worked with these people, like not who's your buddy and who's doing like nice little recommendations, who is actually given this person money and seen it on the back end whenever it's done being sold. So, um, um, we call it going full cycle on a deal. So that's that's the key thing. Even even in multifamily, it doesn't matter. But that's how I have found partners because I need to find people that have done more than I have and add value to their life in some way. And then everybody wins. Then you know, obviously, we split profits. I help them get more done than they could on their own. Uh, whatever it is that you bring to the table, that's how everybody wins. Got you. I think. So I just took your advice and uh, Googled uh, real estate investment groups uh, where I'm at in Los Angeles. And I came up with a meetup group of Los Angeles Real Estate Investment Club that has 4,200 members. I presume, Kaylee, that you're saying that as a first step, a person could go to a meeting like this. Uh, This is a little outside of our bailiwick. We are mostly a real estate marketing podcast we talk to, but... We do occasionally have more experienced brokers and other real estate people come on the show. And so we're, John and I decided that we're going to, we're taking the thought that what if these agents or want to somehow break out of just being an agent 
and do some kind of investment themselves. We, we, we don't do that much of that kind of conversation. So, so I'm going to keep it real basic because I don't know. I'm not an investor. I, I, I focus on residential real estate sales myself. So, um, uh, so the meetup would be step number one. And then if I heard you correctly, or the way that I interpreted your other comments was one, if you do meet somebody at a meetup or some other place that you're, you're trying to network and you're talking about a deal with somebody, you're then going to say, who have you done business with? What are the projects you have in process? Can I see any of these projects? Did I understand that? Correctly? Yeah, if you're gonna, if you're wanting to go stepwise by kind of like the next thing to do at that meetup, you would go ask around to people and say you kind of need to get an idea of what you want to do as far as being an investor. Multi-family. You know, so Let's stick with the some, example. Look at YouTube and and go, you know, wholesaling, note flipping, flipping houses, multifamily. You'd go to that meetup and ask around and be like, who does a ton of multifamily here? And people would usually point you to one person or two people or something in the room. And then you go talk to them. And then at that point, then it's your job to kind of do your due diligence on that person, like you said, and ask them if um, you know, you're interested in it. You kind of also as a person need to have a story because part of um part of investing there, you have to be different, you know. And so for someone to want to work with you, you've got to add value to their life. And some of that value sometimes is you having something that either happened in your life or something that's important to you that real estate is going to be the financial vehicle to get you to the end of that game. And so like for me, my, my original mentor, you know, he loves women, not in a weird way, but he just has a ton of sisters and all of his property managers and accountants and everybody that works for him are women. And he's like, they're, they're more honest. They work harder. They're, they're not like all these things that he just liked about women. And I go, exactly. That's what I'm doing to the commercial real estate world as my why is to have more women in commercial real estate. So, um, so that worked for him. And then I found value to add to him later. But basically, you're, you're trying to vet somebody. But also, you know, they're not going to want to talk to you if you're just sitting there being, you know, just trying to ask them a million questions. And be like, okay, you're super annoying. You know, um, you kind of have to have some personal connection. And then, then once, you know, you guys can kind of add value to each other, then it would be like, okay, I would, I'd be interested in getting involved with you. What, um, how many of these apartments have you bought in the last you know year? And how many have gone full cycle that you bought and then flipped or whatever they do with it, sometimes long-term hold, but then you've sold it at the, at the back end, you know, and, and they answer you and um, you could ask them who their partners on those deals were and talk to those partners, ask how it went. Um, so yeah, that's a good starting point. So, you know, you have a solid foundation moving forward and that you're not listening to someone that's making it up. You're listening to someone that's done it. Roger that. So yeah. I think, I think it's time for us to go for our break, actually. We'll be discussing this fascinating world of investing with Kaylee when we come back. Do you want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRite. It is a powerful but easy-to-use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no-question-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. We're coming back. We've had a fascinating discussion already about the world of investing, which I know very little about. So I thought Katie was the right lady to come on the show because I'm sure a lot of you agents get requests and are interested in this site. So it's always best to talk to the expert. So Katie, um, how long was you... Uh, 
actual agent broker before you did your first investment um, deal. And can you remember what that deal was? Yeah, uh, it was a single family flip and it was about a year. It was about a year. So not that long. No. So uh, how did, can you give some detail how that first deal came about? Uh, it was actually, I knew I wanted to do a flip out, or I thought I did. <laughs> I like the concept. Um, I wanted to do flips and I liked investors and a lot of agents are like, it's funny because at least in Texas, there's a lot of ladies here and guys here that think that like investing is like illegal and that people are crooks and investors are bad. And I was like, you're out of your mind. Show me some kind of spreadsheet that proves this because this is all hearsay at this moment. So I went ahead and figured it out myself exactly how I said earlier, found a local group and kind of got involved and found some people that were doing high volumes of something. And then I forget how I did this. Oh, I was actually, I had an ad out there that was for a house in Prosper and this person was asking about the house, but then they also asked, do you have anything with a lot? And, you know, I was like, well, that's an interesting request. Okay, well, I'll look for that. And then I kind of started picking around Jason a little bit more and asking like, well, what's the lot for? And he goes, well, because you can subdivide and sell it off or I can subdivide, build new because I do, I'm, I'm an investor. So I have people funding my projects and we basically build and then we split the profits, sell it and whatnot. And so we ended up, having a close relationship and I sold him a whole bunch of lots and then he built new and then he let us, you know, list it on the back end for him. Um, and even, even now tonight, I'm going to be at the Dallas real estate investor meetup that's there pitching my commercial deals now. Cause I've grown quite a bit, but, um, you know, he helped me kind of see a, see a different world. So, um, that, that first deal came about because I was actively helping investors, like three of them. One was more, more of the funding person, uh, all he wanted to do was be passive and like give other people money and let them do stuff with it. One of them was a local person in that community, which who bought and sold everything in that town, gas stations, land. I mean, he had no specific thing that he did. And then my investor, Jason, who wanted a certain price point and wanted a certain return at the back end. And so to do that, he knew how to say, okay, so we need to buy it this price and buy it this way so that we can get that return that I want. And so I was able to find it in a suburb of Dallas. And uh, even now, he's just done a ton of a ton of work there, and his stuff sells in four days. He does such a good job. So I was actually lucky that that happened. But the, the local guy, I ended up buying a house from him. And as an agent, I had some money. You know, I wasn't um, like a baller agent doing like you know ten, twenty transactions a month. I was. I'm, I'm just kind of laid back. I was like, okay, let's sell like two, three houses a month. I don't care. Um, and if they go in the next month and don't close, I still don't care. You know, because. Um, I just never wanted to be that agent that likes to pressure people or anything. So, uh, and having, you know, Jason doing this, these lot transactions or undeveloped land transactions also helped, you know, with learning and then also being more comfortable um, financially. So um, there's a house that uh, the local guy owned and um, he's like, you want it? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, I've never done this before. I have no idea. Um, so I turned to Jason and and he was already developing in that community, very slowly starting um, to, to do the, you know, pouring the slab foundations and starting on the, the sticks and the framing and whatnot of the houses. And this was a pre-existing house and it was a burnout. So um, I was like, well, no one else is going to touch it, but it's 19,000 bucks. Like I'm going to buy it. So um, I needed something that was super cheap. And again, now 
knowing how to run numbers on multiple different types of investments. Now, looking back, there's definitely a better way to do this. And if anyone wants to contact me out there who is thinking about buying a flip and wants to know how to schedule your work with your contractors, how to basically you know, never do a cost plus contract. It will screw you over completely. I had to go through that. Um, it was like literally the hardest thing I ever did. It was so annoying. I like took this big loan out from the bank, had my cash to close it, and then was working on this thing. And these people just like, I mean, I wouldn't let them make me cry, but um, I was borderline weekly because it was just constantly like, I'm very empathetic. And that's probably one of my weaknesses, if you will, when it comes to working with crackhead contractors that need their fit. <laughs> no, I love it. Yeah. Crackhead. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like they needed their fix for the week. So every Friday they're like, where's my check? I'm like, I don't know. The plumbing doesn't work. Where's your check? Finish it. You know? So on a, the, the point is, is that I could show somebody different ways to do an estimate on what type of systems are going to see. So always when you're looking at something, you walk with an experienced contractor that does this with other investors all the time. They'll walk through the house with you and you don't spend very much time. This is something I learned from a girlfriend who's 21 and she does probably like 10 houses a month. Um, you don't spend very much time in a room. You kind of go, all right, what are you thinking here? What are you thinking there? What are you thinking there? And they're going to get you a quote on like a bathroom, a quote on a kitchen. And it's going to be a chunk of different one line or it's going to be one area, but several different line items. Like we need to replace the PVC. It'll be this much. We need labor costs. It'll be this much. We need 10 door, uh, drawer pulls. It'll be this much. You know, you literally want everything itemized out in there. Exactly what they say that they're going to do. And you'll want three bids because you'll get a super low one. You'll get a super high one and something just right in the middle. And then um, I could walk somebody through this process now that just sending them like several different spreadsheets, uh, just walk through, fill this out. Then you know exactly what you need to put into a contract. And that's the good thing about being an agent, I guess. Well, not really because you're not an attorney. So you actually need to be doing these deals, not as an agent. You have to do it as an individual because when you're writing up these contracts as an agent, you can't legally do that because you're not an attorney and they're not a promo and it's not a promulgated form. So um, anyway, but there's, yeah, there's ways to avoid a lot of headaches and be able to say, if you're not done by this date, then you're going to be charged a hundred dollars per day or uh, meaning subtracted from your, your ending bill that we uh, projected. And if you finish early in, in the same way, I'll pay you more and, Anyway, just different ways to get it done on time, get it done and, and make sure it's profitable because your contractor is like the biggest reason why your end sale price is going to fail based on the quality of work, where you have to, you know, lower the price to, et cetera. So you gotta you gotta do that right. But that was that was like one of the hardest things I had ever done mm. ever. Uh, very painful. And so I, I for me, I quickly learned that I'm like, I don't like to be micromanaged and I don't like to micromanage grown men. So this is not for me. This is not what I enjoy. And when I, whenever people tell me about like having to deal with contractors that are jerking them around, because in Texas right now, there's a ton of work. There's a lot of uh, development. There's a lot of flipping. There's a lot of, I mean, could we have 500 people a day coming here? So, um, there's a lot still going on, even though it's been a bull run market for a long time, meaning that it's it's a it's top of the market. Like the market has just gone up and up and up and up. So um, so they have a lot of work. In a time where it is low and there's low construction and low flipping and you know there's not a lot of demand, then they're desperate for work and they'll listen to you more. But right now, I mean, they're like, oh, half finish this job, half finish that job, get paid half here, half there. I mean... Anyway, so um, for me, I didn't like to micromanage, so I knew it wasn't a good fit for me as far as flipping houses go. And they're they're a lot harder than you think. So I'm going to put it over to Robert. Actually, what 
Over to you, Robert. About the contract? No, 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 no. You started this thread. You got to continue it. <laughs> oh, you're right. So, <laughs> so you, I'm not surprised what you've just said, actually, because you know, dealing with contractors, I've done. Um, I have actually invested some money in property about six years ago um, with a experienced um, individual, and I did rather well out of it, but they had um, um, quite a messy divorce, so our partnership had to um, stop, basically. Um, But I know dealing with contractors, but you normally deal with that by having a small team of contractors that you trust and have some relationship with. Because fundamentally, I think what the thread of everything we've discussed so far, Kaylee, is it's about relationships, isn't it? Would you agree with that? Yep. Um, so you decided that flipping wasn't your cup of tea because of the, this experience with your contractor friend. So what was the next step, actually? You know, flipping wasn't going to be it. So what did you decide was going to be your cup of tea? Well, you know, so for example, if you look at an agent that hops around from brokerage to brokerage to brokerage, it's the exact same thing. It's somebody that goes, okay, I tried it over here and it didn't work. I'm just going to move on to something else. And that's not what happened here at all. Um, You have to dig back in and usually like say, if you're in the situation I just mentioned, you go have a conversation with the team, the broker, whatever it was, it didn't quite work out. So at least you learn a lesson. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm more proactive. So when I feel it kind of going, you know, then I go talk to them right then, figure out where we can figure out meet in the middle. Um, But it's the same thing on this contractor thing. I end up having my, you know, 21, almost a decade year younger than me girlfriend who flips way more houses than me. I had her come out there. I was like, all right, Claire, what is going on? Why is this being held up so much? Why are there three guys on my job site where there's only one or maybe two working? Why am I being charged for this? Do I need to put a camera in? Like all this stuff. And anyway, she just was like, basically, we're going to have to redo this to where I'm the big boss, Biatch, and I'm coming in and you are someone that works for my company. And I'm going to be keeping an eye on what you're bringing back to me as far as reports go. She's like, they don't know who, who has the note at the bank. They don't know any of that stuff. It's none of their business. Don't ever tell them that stuff. But so she was just the one that was just uh, essentially saying what I was telling her, saying it out loud in, a, in an experienced way. So so she helped. Long story short, what, what was happening, and this happens constantly, tons of people I know that get started, uh, unless you're literally doing a deal with someone else who does a bunch of them, and then they can essentially, your profits won't be as great. And so again, that was, yeah. this was at a time where I was like, oh, I just want all the money. It would have been beneficial to be like, you know what, half is great just so I can do it right the first time and get in and out of it in a decent time and whatnot. But um, this happens to people constantly. And then as a woman, um, you know, it, like, you know, and, and as a cute girl or woman, you know, they're, they're like, oh, how, and you're young and you're, you're new and they know it and you're a girl and they're like, you're, you're dumb. Like there, there's all kinds of things that when they're trying to explain like the way that they're putting, um, the caulking on, on a PVC pipe, like a corner piece, or they're trying to explain something. Again, this is not a level of expertise that I had starting off. There's a lot that I learned, but they know that. And so they want to take advantage. And so I just really didn't like that uh, mindset. Um, you know, I think professionals shouldn't do that. But in the, and this was even a personal referral from somebody else who had used this person before. So, you know, I was just like, how many more of these? And, and I started to realize getting involved in this investing group that there were a ton a ton, a ton, a ton of contractors out there. And so a ton of house flippers, a ton of people in that single family space. And so what happened 
was there there's a there's a way right now to kind of get away with stuff like that because people are too embarrassed to put out there like I failed because I didn't know what I was doing which I mean like the biggest issue on my house was the foundation was was a bad choice of mine everything else worked out okay but you know that was a major issue and that became a major issue in the end something I had to pay for rectify after the fact out of the sales price you know um again lesson learned but um you know, being able to partner with somebody, I think, uh, helps a lot with with being able to deal with that inexperience level and be able to learn and not get screwed over by contractors and then essentially having less profit than you even would have had if partnered in the first place. Um, but then going into multifamily, what, that was the question, right? Like kind of how, mm. um, how did yeah. I go from... Yeah, I do. I think we're going to end the podcast part of the show. Hopefully, Katie's going to agree to stay on for another 10 minutes. And we're going to, which you'll be able to see as our bonus content on the MailRite YouTube channel and also the MailRite website, the whole interview plus the bonus. And we're going to be talking about attitude and what the right attitude, why it's so important. It's something that Katie's really very passionate about. So, Katie... How can people find out more about yourself, your methods, and what you're up to in general? Uh, I'm very out there on social media. So if you want to go to my website, which is www.theapartmentqueen.com, we've got an active blog. I blog every week. And usually it's not just what I'm doing at work because there's obviously a human side to all of this. So that has a little bit of, especially if I'm frustrated with something, that's kind of a point in time where I decide to talk about things because I want lessons that I had to learn. I want people out there to learn those lessons before having to maybe make those mistakes. So uh, on my website, and then I'm also same um, name on Instagram, uh, The Apartment Queen. And then um, you could email me if you have specific questions, but on those, on those places, there's content on there that you can watch and learn from. Oh, that's fantastic. And Robert, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? As always, they can uh, go to uh, inboundrem.com. I'm in the middle of my end of the year contents updates. Uh, They've started to get posted. You'll see a new uh, best of uh, the real estate marketing website providers uh, for 2020 on my site early here in 2019. And that's uh, the best way to find me. Oh, that's great. So we're going to finish the podcast part of the show, folks. If you're really generous, tell people in your office that they should be listening to me and Robert. I think in 2019, we've covered as some amazing guests, had some amazing conversations like Kaylee, and they will learn a lot. And if you're really generous and you thought you've got some great tips and insights, give us a review on iTunes. We'll be back next week with either a great guest or an internal discussion between me and Robert. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Bye.